Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Buds and Beads Sparkling and Loose Leaf Teas. The kettle's boiled, Vic. Great. Perfect timing. Just a dash of milk for me, please, mate. Here you go. Shall we get started, then? Have you ever woken up on a Sunday morning and said, I'm never drinking again, and then found yourself waving 50 bucks at a barman by happy hour? Are you wondering why everyone else can stop at one, while you head to a dodgy after-party with a weird bloke called Disco Dave? If so, it might be time to take a deeper look at your relationship with your reliable social crutch, alcohol. On each episode, we'll investigate our own dysfunctional dealings with booze and find out if it's possible to stop this deeply ingrained habit before things get too messy. Yep, we're going to open up a shame shed of humiliating drinking stories to help you understand why waking up from a booze coma each weekend with a kebab sticking out of your top pocket might actually be negatively impacting your health. Hamish and I are here to delve into what it's like being sober, an unwanted warts and all look into why giving up those cheeky pints or putting down those mummy wines will make you feel happier, help your anxiety and mental health and turn you into the most sparkly authentic version of you. Won't that mean I become boring though, Vic? Well, Hamish, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Hamish Adams-Cairns. And this is Sober Awkward. So, Vic, can you name me one goal in your life that you have achieved and one that you're still looking to? Um, sleeping with a hundred strangers and not getting gonorrhea, Hamish. Is, my is that first achieved one. or still looking to? Still looking to achieve. Uh, uh, no, that's achieved. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, what are you on? 99? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah 999. <laughs> Becoming an author, of course, yes. was my a dream that I could never, ever imagine that I could achieve. I always wanted to make people laugh through writing. I had no idea that it was a possibility for me. Do you think you are an author now or is it the day that it gets published that you're an author? I would say I'm an author now. Yeah. yeah. That's what you tell people in the street that they yeah, ask. Yeah, I do. It's on my passport form, don't yeah, you worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I filled that in straight Have away. Have you filled that in? Yeah, you go, What's your calculation? Yeah. yeah. I can remember my gap year, I can remember we just made up stuff for that. We'd be like sex experts yeah. or um, like <laughs> deep sea diver, just make up jobs. I hope it never comes back and kisses me in the arse. That yeah. kisses me in the arse. I hope that never comes back and kisses me in the arse. Oh, I love it to kiss me in the arse. I hope it never kicks me in the arse. I hope it doesn't kiss you or kick you in the arse, quite honestly. 
Kiss in the ass. That's a nasty. That's rude. Stop that's it. That's a nasty thought. That is a nasty thought. Okay, and what I, about one that you're looking to still achieve? Well, sell some books, of course, and see a doctor about my gonorrhea. No, not really. I'd love to <laughs> take a life year. goal. <laughs> that's my life goal. I would love to take a year off and take my children on a massive world tour. Yeah. I selfishly am worried about this year off and world tour for the sake of the podcast. Yes, fair enough. And I feel like it's getting, like, I feel like that dream is getting closer and closer for you. We'll see. Hey, it's in a year. I've got work to do, but in a year I might think about doing that if I'll I just, can. I'll go on a world tour as well with a, with a microphone, just follow you around. Yeah, that'd hey, be it's nice. Monday, we've got a recorded episode. <laughs> oh God, I'll be like, go away, Hamish. <laughs> What about you? Okay, so I was kind of weird in that from quite a young age, I always wanted to be a dad. Uh, probably younger than most people. No, I didn't want to be a young dad, but I remember looking forward to being a dad at some point from yeah. a young age. So I've reached that one, which is great. Um, still to reach, I've always wanted to present live TV or like a mainstream Radio 1 style radio show. Okay, yeah, you'd be great at that. So I'd love to do that. Thank you. I'd also love nothing more than to earn enough money from this podcast for it to be our full-time job. That is a great goal. I think podcasting as a full-time job is maybe the coolest career that I can think of. Yeah, me too. We meet up once a week, we have a laugh, we're sitting in your house. Yeah, it's not a financial winner though, is it? It is a financial loser. If you, like me, have been working towards a sober goal, so for me it was to go for one year, for you it might be for a month or a hundred days or even a thousand days, it can often feel a little deflating or not quite how you expected once you reach it. Yeah, sure. That's why a lot of people relapse, I reckon, Hamish. 100%. You might be familiar with this feeling, not just in your sobriety, but really in anything. Setting and reaching a goal can often be a complete letdown. Usually the reason for this is that the goalposts keep moving. I've done a year sober now, but can I do two? I got promoted, but I'm not the CEO yet. I earn a million pounds, but someone else is earning two million. If only that last one was true. Yeah, it's that kind of grass is always greener when you, once you get there, isn't it, Hayne? Yeah. Although we can't fix the reason you might feel this way in a short podcast, we can focus on a few tools that might help you in your sobriety goal setting. The real reason that I've written this episode, Vic, is because it's something that both myself and the Cuppa community have expressed. Once you achieve this goal of going a year sober, how do you motivate yourself for what comes next? I'm hoping you might be able to share some of your wisdom with all of us, Vic. Uh, I'm not sure about that. All of that wisdom that you've I got. Dish out a... just a little bit, just a few crumbs for us listeners. I don't have wisdom, Hamish. <laughs> I have puns. I'm very rich in nose and inappropriate childish sexual innuendo. I'm practically a billionaire in that. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Well, that's as good as we're going to get here then, folks. Let's get this ball rolling. Depending on how you are approaching your sobriety, you may have set yourself a specific date or amount of days you want to give it a go for. For me, like I said, it was a year and I found it beneficial because the idea of giving up forever was too big for me to comprehend. Yeah. It also enabled me to count down as well as counting up the days as they went. And it gives you the satisfaction of a finish line to aim for and hopefully sprint through. For others, like me, I knew I had to give up forever. I had tried and failed at moderation for too long and the idea of giving up forever was liberating rather than frightening. No matter what, motivating yourself to carry on and riding each low without turning to the bottle will be the key in maintaining your sobriety. 
So Vic, I recently went past that Soberversary and that was meant to be the end date for me. Although I knew within a few months of actually starting to go sober that it probably would be longer than that. The day for me wasn't a disappointment. I spent it recording podcasts with you and then you surprised me by having lots of our favourite people meet us for lunch when I thought we were going for a meeting about schools. Even Alan. Even Alan was there, the the mystical Alan. And it turns out I actually had the date wrong as well. For a year, I thought my date was July 11th. Turns out it was July 10th. But once the date is over and the dust settles and the excitement calms down, I understand why anyone finds it hard to rev themselves up to go again. Yeah. And I know you approached yours differently because yours wasn't, I'm just giving up for a year. Yours was forever. But how did you feel on that first anniversary? Well, I just want to say here, I think this issue... Uh, that we're talking about today, this problem of people being deflated, I very much think it depends where you sit on the vast alcohol spectrum. You're coming from a very different angle from me. For somebody that struggled, my sentiment is always going to be, well, I'm free from this now and how brilliant it is. And whereas you're coming from a place, well, I'm doing it for health purposes, I'll give it a year and see how it goes. I might tag on another year. And that's coming from the side of a not non-problem drinker although I did go for a walk with someone the other day I must tell you this and she said the more I listen to your podcast the more I realize that Hamish is a problem drinker oh god (laughs) is that my wife I said really it wasn't your wife but it was really interesting because I thought because we talk about you being a lad and when you were traveling and drinking seven days a week when you were you know living abroad and things like that so it does make me wonder you know maybe perhaps everybody is a problem drinker Mm. including you but we don't we won't talk about that too much I I had that thought this morning at the gym I thought everyone on their gap year drinks seven days a week yeah but you never go everyone on their gap year has a drinking problem or becomes an alcoholic for a short period of time or you know whatever phrase you want to give it because well it's just fun it's a gap year you travel yeah. i feel like everyone at some point in their life has had a problem with drinking yes if problem with drinking is labeled as drinking every day yeah and also i think you've got to realize like even in those days we weren't always just drinking for fun we were drinking because again we were socially aware or had self-doubt or Mm. had trauma it's still the same reasons as a problem drinker later on in your life it's not always just for frivolous reasons yeah so yes that's interesting anyway apart from that we're gonna we're gonna show both sides of the coin in this episode we definitely need to i think because we are both coming from different directions apart from being ripped off do you remember i got ripped off on the day that it was my soberversary by some very vicious masseur I thought you were going to say, apart from being ripped, which I like also as the start of a story for you. I didn't rip, let rip. (laughs) And also I got called an effing alcoholic C word by someone on Instagram on that day as well. That That was that day. Do you reckon it was the masseuse? I don't know. I have a feeling it might have been. Uh, But I know what you mean. When you've been used to celebrating stuff with booze for ages, these days can feel a bit underwhelming. Just another day of boring, I'm a effing alcoholic, see? (laughs) And it can seem like a long day to get through. But for me, I was just happy to be free from the chaos. Before, if it was a big occasion, I would have been in a bush with my knickers on my head. So just having a chill time now and just looking forward to sobriety in general forever fills my cup yeah see for me i think the difficulty for anyone in my position who set an end date for their sobriety it comes with two issues okay the first is that you then have to set another date or completely change your mindset to i am now giving up forever once you reach that first date 
And this can feel a little bit like you're back at the start of this long journey. Like you've reset your counter to day one. Mm. And I think that is quite tricky because it can be unmotivating. And because of that, you know, the finish line feels like it's just gotten further away. This is actually something that they do in the army to build mental strength. Oh, interesting. No. So what they'll do is they say, right, we get, get everyone, get up. It's three in the morning. Everyone has to get up and they go, right, we're going on a hundred kilometer run. And you start, you've got all your stuff on. I say this as if it's my story, it's my dad's story. Yeah. So you do this, you know, hundred kilometer run. And at 99 kilometers, they go, we're doing another 50. Oh, wow. And just moving the goalposts is like, takes enormous amount of self-motivation and, you know, self-will and power and all this stuff. So oh. it's, it's kind of like a, a trick that the army used to build strength Gosh. mentally. Well, last night I talked uh, in my boxing class, you have to remember the name of your partner. Mm. And she said to me, Vic, who's the name of your partner? And I was like, I don't know. And everybody in the whole room had to do 20 burpees because I couldn't remember. Oh <laughs> it's a gosh. bit like a punishment. So you already feel punished. This is what we're saying, isn't it? You already feel punished by going sober, but then you kind of have to punish yourself for longer. And for people that are not coming from my perspective, where they just feel free and skipping down the road at sunset, for people like you, it seems like the punishment's going yeah. on longer yeah are you doing like boxing with manners on the side or is this a manners class which you happen to be boxing during it's it is not manners there are no manners involved the lady is absolutely brilliant her name's nat i'll give her a shout out (laughs) she's like a sergeant major i love her yeah Yeah. i can feel it okay the second issue is that it can feel as if the novelty of doing everything for the first time that first year of birthdays and holidays and christmas and parties and dating whatever it is the novelty can wear off once it comes to doing them the second year round. Yeah, sure. Um, and I think both of these points are really about finding the motivation to go on. That is really what is driving this. So before we talk about how you motivate yourself to carry on year after year, Vic, I was wondering if you had any moments when you actually questioned your sobriety. I think I know what you're going to say here. You know, have you ever lost motivation or considered giving up, giving up? Never. Yeah. No. I knew you were going to say that. I have never, ever considered giving up giving up have you had days when you felt lower about it than others no (sighs) no i don't think i have it was so traumatic for me Mm. what was happening the anxiety the shame the guilt the panic attacks everything it was so much that it just literally felt like i was let out of jail for the Mm -hmm. first time it is such an interesting topic this hamish because it's going to be different for everybody and of course people are going to have days when they struggle i'm not saying there have not been up and downs in my life in that time that i've had to cope with without alcohol and that's been hard i'm not saying i haven't felt like drinking occasionally Mm -hmm. if someone once walked past me with a cold beer and I'm sat on a sunbed on holiday there has been moments where I've gone oh that would be quite nice to throw down my face right now I'm not saying that doesn't happen that does still occasionally happen but I know deep within me I call it the knowing I know deep within me that I won't drink again Mm -hmm. and that I am strong within this and this is the best thing that will ever happen to me and that's why I talk about it because You can you can feel like that about this, about this non-drinking thing. Alcohol was causing so much damage to my mental health. There was no other choice. I couldn't live with it, so I had to live without it. The struggle had been too long and too hard. I see alcohol. This is what happens when you are alcohol-free for a long time, is you do start to see it for what it is. I'm kind of over-educated. Um, about its content and its purpose in society so therefore why would I 
drink a class A canastogen, which we know mm-hmm. is the same level as asbestos, why would I pour a poison into my body now that I like myself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot to it. I guess all those facts are enough to put anyone off, but it takes a lot of study and doing this podcast and reading and writing to really find out the ins and outs of what alcohol is doing to you. I would say my journey, Hamish, mm-hmm. into this is from darkness into light and I have never ever looked back what about you have you had moments where you've thought gosh what am I doing this for not at all actually but I wonder whether or not that was because during that first year I had this end date in sight yes so I knew well there's no way I'm going to drink I'm doing the podcast and I said I'm going to do it for a year so I could sort of hide myself in the it's not forever mindset yeah so I think that was almost like a like a safety blanket for me I do sometimes look around and think like all of my friends do, all of my family do. Wouldn't my life just be easier to join them? But I think, like you said, anyone that has listened to this podcast a lot or done a lot of the research that we have, it's sort of counterintuitive because you know too much. You know, like we have overeducated ourselves in everything around alcohol and mm. now it's difficult to go back to it. I do think I've had thoughts like you have had, like, oh, that one would be nice, like maybe I should, but those thoughts have never lingered in my head long enough to actually act on them. I was actually surprised recently. I think it's, it's easy to find motivation in other sober people and you just have to find someone that you think is cool i think for me that's important like you think oh well you know there's lots of sober people but who's the one person you think oh my god they are amazing people Mm. and they're sober Mm. that's who i want to be like and i was surprised i didn't think i would feel that because it sounds it almost sounds a bit um shallow to even admit that but the other day is an england cricketer called mark wood and i'd forgotten that he was sober and this guy is a complete lunatic so he played in the last game five minutes before they went out to play and he was man of the match he played amazingly he was on his hands and knees in the changing room barking at everyone going there's a dog on the loose there's a dog on the loose he's barking at everyone (laughs) like he is you know in the same way that obelix was dropped in that potion as a child that meant he was like super strong for the rest of his life i don't know what you're talking about asterix you're talking about asterix but obelix is his big mate God, okay. Obelix Asterix, Asterix drinks this stuff that makes him powerful. Obelix yeah. isn't allowed to drink it because he was dropped in it at birth. I think you only watched Asterix if you went to a posh French private school. Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> the French school wasn't even posh. Okay. Anyway, I think Mark Wood is a bit like that with alcohol, maybe. Like maybe as a as a baby, he was somehow around it and now he can't drink it ever again because he's f- so full of life and energy yeah, and right. fun. And I was surprised by how much I found inspiration in the fact, wow, Mark Wood is sober and he is an elite athlete. He is the funniest member of the team. He is yep. full of energy. He's so silly. And I was like surprised that I was like, wow, if he can do it, I can do it. Rather than looking at all my friends go, yep. they all drink. Fuck it, I should just drink. Yeah. Well, that's why it was so great us having Millie McIntosh and people like that mm. on the podcast because these big names are people who have had huge opportunity to drink all their lives, to numb out their fame, to do all these things, including Fatboy Slim, Mm. but yet they are inspiration to other people out there. That's why it's so good to have people in in sports that you like Mm. and in TV shows that you like talking about their sobriety. So I think I have got a better chance of being sober for the rest of my life if all of my close-knit friends became sober yes eventually i wonder if the pressure of everyone's drinking all my friends doing it it'd be easier to that might eventually win in the battle against me 
But if everyone became sober, my life would be a lot easier. Yeah, that's yeah. so true. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. Like on Cuppa, I must say that is the most common thread yeah. is, oh, my friends all drink and I feel like the odd one out and everyone's going to a party and I feel like a weirdo. Mm. I mean, you do feel like a weirdo. But I think the one thing that you've got to do is embrace the weirdo, like yeah. that cricketer obviously is doing. Yeah, he's the best. OK, so could we for a second just talk about motivation and specifically people losing motivation. So you yeah. haven't lost it too much at all. But obviously, couple lots of people write to us. Yeah. What are the number one or the most frequent answers to the question of people losing their motivation on Kappa? Oh, I think time is a really good one, which we mm-hmm. haven't put on our list here, actually, yeah. Hamish. Just that fact that you have done a year mm-hmm. and that you feel like, well, that's a good chance. That's a good opportunity to start drinking again. Yeah. So just the passing of time mm-hmm. is a reason to get drinking, isn't it? One that I, th- I don't know if this has come up on Cuppa, but definitely one I thought of is when someone passes away, someone that you love or someone famous even, someone in the limelight, I think it reinforces this idea, God, life's so short, I should really go out and enjoy it. Yes. And I think that life is so short mindset often leads to people falling off the wagon, I, yeah. I reckon, or definitely drinking more, partying more, or being a little bit more reckless, a little bit sure. more immature. Live fast, die young. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my brother's favourite saying is sleep when you're dead. Yeah. He met a mad Russian that took him out for vodkas and kept saying to him, sleep when you're dead. And my brother just had to keep drinking vodkas with him. Yeah, I was always scared of people that say sleep when you're <laughs> yeah, dead. I'm like, yeah. you are going to be too intense an energy for me <laughs> yeah. to be around long term. Sleep when you're dead is frightening. You do not want to be out with someone who's saying that, that's for sure. If a trigger happens in your life, something like a divorce or becoming a parent, a change of career or a change in your mindset even... All of these little triggers are things that could demotivate you on your sobriety path. Boredom. Boredom comes up a lot. I guess that's sort of connected with what we mentioned earlier with time. You've done it for ages. You've proved you can do it. You're bored of it. Maybe you want to start moderating now and, you know, have convinced yourself that's a possibility. But yeah, boredom we talk about a lot. Boredom is such a massive one. And also being sober for so long that you think you can moderate. Oh, dear. I know there's a lot of people listening to this podcast today going, well, I think I've done my stint. I'm going to just have a couple and go out. Mm. I did that for years and it was the biggest head fuck I've ever experienced in my whole life because not only was I more obsessed with how much I was drinking, I was actually thinking about it all the time. How much am I going to drink? When am I going to drink? Is it going to be okay? I'll just have one. I'll try and have beers and no gin and then I'll have a water between wines. All this fucked up questions that were going around and around in my head convincing myself that now was the time to start and now that is the time that it's going to be okay Mm -hmm. and the fact is it was never okay it was only no alcohol that was ever going to take that preoccupation out of my brain so if you're sitting there thinking oh i might try and start again don't (laughs) because it will all come flooding back straight away Another huge loss of motivation is people being scared of losing too many mates. For sure. They see how people react to them maybe a little bit differently to when they did when they drink. They might see themselves not invited to certain events they used to get invited to. And eventually the fear of being left out or not being included by their friends overcomes and they go back to drinking. For sure. I think a massive demotivator here, Hamish, if that that is a word. I think we can invent a word. Yeah. (laughs) Was the pandemic. Yeah. Of course, if you were sober 
or even if thinking about it, that would have probably derailed mm-hmm. a lot of people being stuck inside, not really knowing what to do. The drinking party hour got earlier and earlier in the day and you just lost. You kind of you didn't know whether it was day or night or what mm-hmm. day of the week it was. So it was kind of a constant party time, wasn't it? For some people, it would have been very confronting coming out the other side of that, probably with a bigger alcohol issue than you went in with. I think us not knowing how long that was going to last. Yeah. You're locked inside and you don't know how how long you're going to have long empty days of not being able to go outside i think that is pretty frightening anyone with any kind of yeah. addiction even if it was gambling or, or booze or whatever would have found that unbelievably unmotivating i always wonder how people got drugs in the pandemic right to us i'd be interested to know <laughs> like how did you get your you know your your crack and heroin yeah. and stuff like with from a dealer because people wouldn't have had been able to go cold turkey there would have lots of people probably would have died or how did they get to hospital and things like i was interested in how people got their drugs i i I couldn't get mine so i was struggled you you became a dealer i I didn't yeah i had to become a dealer yeah don't worry that's a joke i've never thought of that that's a good one yeah life's too hard for a lot of us and people need an out and alcohol for a short amount of time seems to fix the life's too hard issue obviously we know that does not last for long but it leads a lot of people back to the bottle um, for mums and dads probably, but for mums even more, I would say, the kids are annoying sometimes and mm. that witching hour can feel bloody hard work. So that is always going to go, oh, the easiest thing to do now is just to be pour a glass of wine down your throat. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's not going to help anything. And obviously peer pressure, another one that we talk about a lot. The real gems of, the real gems of information I'm hoping to get out of you today, Vic, are around the differences you found in your sobriety after the first year. You often say the best bits of your sobriety have come between the second year and where you're at today, more than five years in. So that's really what I want to knuckle down on. I feel like lots of people are in my shoes. They've done the year or the 30 days or whatever. They're afraid that it's just going to be more of the same rather than it's going to get better from here on in. So what would you say anyone in my position would miss out on from going back to the booze once they've done one year sober? I mean, you miss out on the whole point of going sober, I think, mm-hmm. because the development, the first year is, is can be a bit hard, you know, because you're learning all new ways to socialise. You're learning about yourself. You're probably having therapy. Everything can feel like a lot of pressure. It's hard that first year. And I think the point is, it's when the second year and the third year and the fourth year, things start to become a bit easier. Okay. That's all it is. It just, things start to slow down a bit. You understand yourself. You get to know yourself. You get to like yourself. And it is that self-love. I know it's cheesy, but it's very, very true. I never in a million years, I was thinking about this the other day, thought that I could ever be someone that liked quotes liked Mm -hmm. cheesy quotes or could ever mention the two words self-love yeah you're a pioneer of self-love i just (laughs) think if anyone if you told me that six years ago that i would be on a podcast talking about self-love i would have punched you in the face unironically self-love yeah (laughs) talking about myself I just think it's such a weird thing for me to talk about it because if anyone had even said those two words in front of me before, I've just gone, oh, shut up. Yeah. What the fuck is self-love? Just like, go and have a beer, mate. Yeah, yeah, Get yeah. over it. But here I am. I think this self-adoration takes at least two years to grasp. Okay. In that time, in that, after that second year or just after that 18 months, I'd say, 
I learned to respect my body as well. I no longer wanted to pour a poison into it. It wasn't about the drinking and about the escape anymore. It was about me realising that I'd been throwing a poison into my body every week for 25 years, pouring it into my bloodstream. And that scares me now. And I don't think we think about that very often. It's like what we're, what it is and what we're putting into us. This cancer-causing drug that makes billions of people ill all the time. So I just okay. think that's such an interesting thing is to separate it from the addiction, separating it from what it does to you and how it makes you feel and go, right, this is a, a very, very strong drug that is going to hurt my body and I put it into it all the time. So mm. I've learned to respect my body enough and to love myself enough to not pour the poison in. Okay, that rings true to me. So... It's not about alcohol anymore. It's no. not about sobriety anymore. It's about taking care of your body. Yes. That is interesting. And funny enough, I read about this study today, which was done on cats. So we don't like studies on animals, but it was very interesting. They had a cat who only ate raw meat and um, what was the um, milk, I want to say, and the other one who had processed foods and condensed milk, whatever it is. And basically the raw milk and meat cat generations down always healthy the other one generation by generation got less healthy less healthy less healthy until they couldn't reproduce right the reason i'm talking about this which is a bit off off the cuff and a bit weird is because it made me think gosh whatever we put into our bodies prior to reproducing is what our kids inherit okay after that it's just how we bring them up in their environment so really being as healthy as we can be before the age that we decide to procreate is so important for the health of our kids mm. and i never thought about that ever i always it, thought we we get pissed all our 20s and then we have kids in our 30s yeah. i never thought we need to be in top physical shape by the time we want to have kids i think it's called metabolic it health isn't it it's metabolic health is what's going on in but i think it is it. okay that. it's yeah. getting sciencey yeah i think it is i think I, I totally agree with what you're saying and the other thing about this hamish is i don't think your body has the opportunity to heal or grow or change if you're numbing it out with pouring alcohol on it. It's like mm -hmm. pouring fuel onto a fire. Mm -hmm. So if you have diabetes or if you have, you're prone to more illness or you have um, high blood pressure, alcohol is always going to change those things for the worse. So I think if you forget the alcohol side of things and think about what pouring a drug that is harmful inside your body is doing, that is enough to put anyone off. And you're a healthy guy. You are mm. very health conscious. So it's the total opposite of that. Mm -hmm. And we don't look at that. We don't look at the health side of it. We just go, well, everybody drinks, so I drink and that's okay. But actually, if you look at the negative health impact of pouring alcohol into your body, it is massive. Yeah. So therefore, you're going to continue having diabetes. You'll probably get liver disease. Then you're going to get heart problems. So it's all about this metabolic health, which mm -hmm. is making sure that you are capable and your body can heal and grow and not have anything that's in its way. Yeah. What always helped me with that, what you're talking about there, is think of it as a drug. Yeah. Think of it, this is a drug that everyone does. And as soon as you label it a drug, well, it's, it's not cool to... Like, it's weird that everyone's doing this one particular drug. Yeah. If it was cocaine, you're, everyone does cocaine, so it's okay for me to do cocaine. Yeah. You wouldn't have that same thought. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't think it was okay if everyone was sitting around taking heroin. Yeah. And of course, alcohol kills more people than all the other drugs put together. Mm -hmm. You have to think about these things. That is what I'm talking about when I say I learnt the bigger picture. Yeah. I didn't know any of this five years ago. 
And I've learnt it from all sorts of silly podcasts like this one. Yeah. The other thing is the genuine joy of friendship. I feel like my relationships are very pure and, and happy and kind. And I don't really have any problems with people mm -hmm. anymore, which is really nice because I don't offend them when I'm drunk. Yeah. It's probably the reason. They don't have problems yeah. with you rather than you not, you not having problems <laughs> yeah, with them. Exactly. Yeah, so I do enjoy, like, all my mates right now because I just feel like I've, you know, it's just natural. There's nothing weird going on any, mm -hmm. any of the time. I think sober people will be on their deathbeds knowing that they lived fully with love for themselves and a kindness towards others. But it really does start within. Would you like me to add a few more guruish statements here, yeah. Haim? Like, I'll have two, three more. Yeah, Go. live, life, laugh, love. Yeah. Was, yeah. That, was that a book? I was don't know. Book, some... book about Bali? I don't know. No, no, that's live, uh, life, eat, eat, love, pray. Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wanted to tell a story very quickly here about the women's camping weekend that I had away with a lovely bunch of sober women and we just laughed so much. One of the women said her face was hurting at the end of the weekend. Yeah. She said it was better than any boozy girls weekend she'd ever had and she'd been on loads. And what was so funny is I'm saying I sound like all guruish here. One of the women that came, her husband was really worried about her coming away with somebody she'd never met with mm -hmm. a group of people sure. she didn't know. Yeah. And he he thought that I was like a cult leader. Okay. You do give that <laughs> off. We've always said that. You're experienced in cults. Yes. I'm You've learned. Yeah, I've learned. So I'm, so I'm thinking about it. I'm going to get a long white coat. Yes. So I'm going to drift around the house saying saying weird shit like what I've just said. Yeah. And does anyone... <laughs> about self-love. Everyone that comes to the camping retreat have to get like tattoos of you. Yeah. Branded. Just, yeah. Yes. And just, sell their houses and give you some cash yeah that's that would be nice yeah, the, the camping weekend it's only 25 grand yeah it's, it's a bargain for two nights of Vic yeah it's 25 grand and I'll have sex with you yeah <laughs> it's basically like all the other cults <laughs> Yes, yeah, so actually, we did a video for her husband where they all sat at my feet praying. Yes, good. <laughs> and I was like patting them on the heads, and we sent it to him, really laughing. That's so yeah, good. I may sound guruish, everybody, but I, I'm not. I promise you, I I don't expect that to happen very soon. About perhaps in my next life. <laughs> I guess what we're really getting at here is that feeling you have on the first of January, as long as you're not hungover. You've written down all your goals for the year. You're wait, really... wait, wait, wait. Who is not hungover on the 1st of January apart from us? Well, that, well, I reckon most of the people listening. <laughs> okay, That's hopefully. What I'm yeah. That's what I'm, I'm hoping I'm preaching to the converted here. <laughs> yes, preaching to the choir. Yeah. So what I mean is you've written down your goals for the year and you're motivated as ever, you're driven as ever, but come February or probably like the 8th of January, you've either forgotten them or the fire's gone from your belly. Yeah, this can be said about sobriety for sure. The longer you go without alcohol, the more likely you might forget why you gave it up in the first place. Scary it, but true. It might be a good idea to write down your motivations for going sober and have them somewhere visible to serve as a reminder every day. I know that sounds sad. It does sound sad, but it could be important. I think it's important, these things, Hamish, because it might be the difference between you drinking and not drinking again. Yeah. That, and that is important to me and to everybody else who's listening, I'm sure. And there's something about writing them down which makes it more real. Yeah, like if sure. I write something down, I feel like I'm more invested in it. I don't know why, but I think that's a thing. I think also you could use photographs as well. 
of the people who like my reason why, why I continue and why mm-hmm. I go on on this mission is because of my kids. Although looking at photos of my kids when they're being annoying, I just think, oh, I hate them. Don't photograph <laughs> them when they're being annoying. Just yeah. photograph them when they're angelic. Sometimes I don't want to look at their faces. Okay, yeah. Maybe just more photos of John. Yeah, don't put, don't put photos, photos of the kids of up. More photos of John. That's what you need. Looking at photos of kids would probably make me want to drink. Yeah. Okay. Forget that, guys. Unless your kids are angelic, and I reckon not many are, forget that last tip. Yeah, we're honest about parenting on here. <laughs> Some of the motivations that we come back to and try and reinforce as often as possible are... See, now the first one's our kids. Our kids, so yeah. So we shot ourselves in the foot there. <laughs> Don't involve your kids in this. The kids are the motivation. The photographs can be triggering. Yes, they can be your reason why when they're being nice. Yes, and when they're not being nice, then can be the reason why not. That's funny. (laughs) Being the chain breaker, the cycle breaker, what a brilliant motivation. We always talk about playing it forward. If there's anything you need more motivation with, just remember how bad it was when you were drinking. Play that tape forward. Yeah, remember what you used to be like wriggling around on that dance floor and now how you are waking up on a Sunday morning and skipping out of bed towards the park on a run. Living a longer and more fulfilled life. Inspiring others around you. That was a big one for me. I never thought that I could inspire people and then you give up and you know you don't have to do what we do you don't have to do a podcast and talk about sobriety all the time but I guarantee if you do go sober You'll inspire one person. It might be a friend, it might be a family member, it might be someone you meet in a coffee shop. Someone will change their ways or their thought processes because of you. Yep. Money is another one. Of course, you're spending money on something that makes you ill. So stopping that is always going to be a good thing. Absolutely. Similar with time. You get a lot of it back and you use it a lot more efficiently when you don't drink. Yes, very efficiently. Being your authentic self. Now, I know we bang on about this all the time. I didn't even know that I wasn't being my authentic self. I thought my authentic self was a drunk person, Mm -hmm. a dribbling wreck. And now I found out my authentic self is not a drunk person, but I'm still a dribbling wreck. Yeah. (laughs) But it's nice to meet that authentic self. Yeah. Uh... With that, I think, comes this ability to grow your self-confidence. I think a lot of people drink because they think they have more fun after a drink. Well, you meet your authentic self when you're sober and you realise that you're probably still fun. And that's a great confidence boost. So is. And of course, no more hangovers. What's better than that? Always a good one. If you're struggling with your motivation, then it's always a good idea to revisit the processes that got you sober in the first place. Start off by checking yourself in to some therapy if you haven't done already. Yep, try a sobriety course or attend an AA meeting. All of these you can do even if you're sober for a year. You know, if your motivation is dipping, you can just do these things again. Get another book, get some Quitlet down you. Yeah, podcasts. Yeah, we know one. There's one really great one. There's one which is just so funny and the hosts are so lovely. I think they're probably really good looking as well. They sound hot. They are hot. Don't follow them on Instagram because then you'll see what they look like. But they sound smoking. Yep. That's so awkward, by the way. Uh, and then I was thinking of Desert Island Discs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's the Cuppa community, of course, our sober, awkward community where you can go and meet loads of mates. I guess what I'm going to take away from this podcast is that not every year might feel like the first, and that might actually be a good thing. It might not be as exciting to tick off everything for the second time round, but I have to be okay with it feeling different. There'll be other benefits that I didn't experience in my first year, and the hope is that those snowball with each passing year. 
And I think something to remember here is if you are feeling in doubt of your sobriety, always go back and sit with it, that reason why. Why did you start all this? What were your reasons that first day or those weeks leading up to your first day? Why did you want to give up drinking? If you sit for a moment and meditate perhaps, Hamish, or have a cup of tea, which is what I would do, and just think about why you started this journey to sobriety because you don't want to ruin all that just stick to it and you'll get all the benefits for the long term journey <laughs> I'm trying to think of gurish things to you say and gurish. I can't I can't I'm trying to say I'm trying to come up with some really really wisdomic <laughs> is that a word wisdomic <laughs> You'll never make it as a guru. I'm struggling like today, Hamish. I am struggling today. My brain is literally not working. No, you're a 24-hour diet. That's why. <laughs> brain's gone. Your body's turning inward. I'm turning to mash. Yeah. Do you want to finish? I've got a disappointing affirmation. I want you to read it. Okay, you'll, go you'll on do then. do it well. You're doing the best that you can. Thankfully, no one expects much from you. <laughs> That's about right. It's, it's so spot on, that one. I am a dribbling wreck. I mentioned in the podcast that I'm a dribbling wreck. Today, I am confirmed a dribbling wreck. That's what My... I expect from you. Yeah. If I walked in here on a Monday morning and your chin wasn't dripping, <laughs> I'd be disappointed. We used to call Bruce Forsyth old dribbly chin. I don't know why. I think he had a dribble on, a bit of dribble Did on his he? chin once. Yeah, and from that point, we changed him into Brucey Dribble Chin. Cruel, cruel. <laughs> Just one little thing. Rest in peace. Into, rest in peace, Bruce. <laughs> Bruce. Rest in, rest in peace, Bruce. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. If you're questioning your relationship with booze, you're struggling to moderate, or your hangovers are causing anxiety it might be time to reach out for some support. Yeah, just talk to a mate about how you're feeling, contact a local doctor, find an AA or sobriety group. Fix got one. Yeah, just head to www.cuppa.community. Remember, if you're questioning yourself, it might be time to seek support. Even though this journey can be awkward, it is definitely worth it. And if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to review it, rate it and share it with your mates. Do they have to share it with their mates? Yeah, of course they do. I'm not doing this for nothing, Hamish. Bloody hell. How do they share it? Hi there. I wanted to tell you about a podcast that I think every single one of you will benefit from. It's called Therapy Works and it's hosted by me, Julia Samuel. I'm a best-selling author and psychotherapist. I invite you into my therapy room where I speak to either a known or unknown guest. Topics range from the difficulties of divorce, a life-changing illness to the struggles of motherhood. Search Therapy Works now wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. 
For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. So, as you probably know, my comedy memoir, A Thousand Wasted Sundays, is officially out. All my magnificent fuck-uppery in one awkward hit. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy, it's now available from all good bookstores. We always say all good bookstores, don't we? Yeah. Are, there, are there bad bookstores? probably ones with moody, moody sellers. Oh, yeah, really yeah. depressed librarian folks. Yes, yes, okay, yeah, good, yeah. Good. So there are probably some, but we're only storing it in the good ones. It's only made it into the goodies. <laughs> you can also get it from all good online retailers. The print version and ebook are out now, and the audiobook will be available in March. I've been writing my memoir for five years. It will make you laugh, cry and cringe and hopefully inspire a few people to reconsider their relationship with booze. If you love the podcast, then I think you'll love the book. Even if I do say so myself. Hamish has read it. What did you think? I feel like I know a little bit too much about you now, to be honest, Vic. Look, I really loved it. It was hilarious and surprisingly moving, but I feel like I've seen you naked in a literary sense. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, that's worrying. Yeah. Yeah. From an emotional point of view, seriously, it wobbled my teeny-weeny wooden heart, Vic. Okay. (laughs) My teeny little wooden heart. His his wooden heart is broken. Anyway, so if you do manage to get your filthy mitts on a copy, please do me a favour and head to goodreads.com and give me a review. Doing that will help me get it out there to those that need a bit of sober support. So there you have it. My story, unwanted warts and all. Come and get awkward with me. Not to be too demanding or anything, but seriously, go and buy it now. Yeah, go and buy it. Go and buy it right now. Yeah, don't just tell your friends. Buy it and then buy your friends one or two. Yeah, yeah, don't give them a copy. Buy it, yeah. And you know what? Don't be careful where you store it. If you lose it, you can always buy another five. Yeah, buy another one. Yeah. (laughs) 